Today on Locked On Canadians, we preview the Canadian Sabres game. We talk about some comments made about Dominique Ducharme in a new book. And then we talk about what Kent Hughes said on the Knuckles Nyland podcast and what we can learn from that. All of that's coming up on today's Locked On Canadians. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 730. 30 of Locked On Canadians, and thank you for making us your first listen of the day or your first watch of the day on YouTube. We are so grateful to all of you. My name is Laura Sava, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Scott Matla. And Scott actually, I think, came up with the idea for this episode and the next episode. We're doing a little bit of a media roundup, but also, I have to say, our listeners have requested that we share our thoughts on all of these things. So, it's partly Scott. It's partly you guys. Scott, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, for those of you who know what my day job is, working in a grocery store, if a store gets deliveries, despite the fact trucks aren't supposed to be traveling and there's no one there to work them, uh, your store becomes inundated with product that needs to go on the floor, to which I walked into 4,000 cases of things that had to be worked today. It's And it is also the week of American Thanksgiving, so we're just going to combine a bunch of things in a row here. My vacation next week could not be coming at a better time, but overall, I'm good. And then I looked at the schedule and see who the Montreal Canadiens are playing on the day you were listening to this on Tuesday and went, ah, well, there goes the rest of my evening. So, <laughs> so speaking of uh, Scott's vacation... Uh, starting Thanksgiving, essentially starting, I want to say Thursday, uh, Scott is going to be on vacation for a week and a half. And I've already lined up two awesome guests. Uh, I'll, I'll do some solo shows. I'll, I'll have some some guests. And we also have some bonus episodes coming up. We've got two bonus episodes this week because we love you and we want to give you thanks. Uh, but in the meantime, we got to preview the Sabres game. I don't think either of us really wants to, Scott. We want to get to the good stuff that's in the second and third segment. But let's get the Sabres game out of the way. The Canadians, obviously, overperforming. The Sabres, I want to say, still underperforming i think they were expected to be better than they were now i don't think anybody expected them to be like all that good but i i think it's fair to say that they were expected to be better than they are right now they did the same damn thing again they had an incredibly fun october where they looked like a team turning the corner tage thompson taking souls rasmus dahlin taking souls they have lost eight games in a row <laughs> every single november the sabers turn out to be frauds fraudulent 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 like a check from a sketchy loan it's fraudulent and it's terrible and i legitimately am starting to feel bad for sabers fans here not just because i live here because i was at that bills game against the vikings last week and the guy behind me was talking to uh, one of his buddies, like, my wife's like, hey, do you want to get Sabres tickets? And he goes, hell no, they suck now. I don't want anything to do with this. 
They are so deeply scarred by years and years of this team getting their hopes up to start the season and then just meteor striking them into the ground. They're going to win 5-2 over the Montreal Canadiens because that is absolutely <laughs> I was how say, this game is were, going. As you were talking, I was going to be like, Scott, you know what that means. <laughs> they're absolutely going to kick the crap out of the head. One, they're due. They're absolutely due to lose to end the losing streak here. And the Habs, probably a little bit lucky to have won that game against the Flyers. They didn't look good against Columbus overall, and they didn't look good against the Devils. They're good. It, it, everything is lining up for the trap game here. That the Sabres are going to come out and all of a sudden smite the Canadians. And, like, I wouldn't be shocked. Smite. smite. Just smite. absolute. And you know what? <laughs> Fine, the Habs should lose games because that's good for the tank. And it's fine because they're still going to be ahead of them in the standings at the end of the night. So I don't really care all that much. Losses are good as long as they're competitive. My fear is that uh, the Habs are going to come out and be not competitive because they play Columbus again uh, on Wednesday night. And it's like, okay, you have lineup management now. Mike Hoffman is injured. You got to do some juggling around here. I'm going to be interested to see... um, who gets the Sabres and who gets the Blue Jackets in this uh, this week? Let's deal with the Blue Jackets later. <laughs> because I want to talk just uh, real quick about the Buffalo Sabres game. What are the three things you think the Canadians need to improve upon over their last three games? I know they won against Philadelphia, but it was dicey. So what are the three things you think they need to do um, better than they have in the last three games? They got to make better decisions defensively with the puck and this is directed solely at Joel Edmondson unfortunately is that putting him Andrew Berkshire pointed out that putting him in a pairing with Mike Matheson who hasn't played in two months is not an ideal situation for either player involved Edmondson should have been eased back in Matheson I think is good to go right off the hop honestly I, I think he's a very talented player um I I'm very interested to see if they play Jack Eye in both games because they have a rotation they can do here now the Sabres aren't known as like this overly aggressive, fighty kind of team. Columbus is a little bit scrappy. You can balance this out here. I'd like to see Jordan Harris back in the lineup above all else. I'd like to see his pairing with Kovacevic back again or put Harris with Matheson. And I think they can handle those minutes. I truly do think they can. Or, and this is going to sound incredible, I know, put Mike Matheson and Caden Gooley together. Caden Gooley's composure should help Matheson adjust back into the game here. And you allows you to move David Savard down a little bit to like potentially weaker competition. Uh, the other thing is keep the, get your power play vibes going. If Buffalo's going to be behind in this game and they take penalties, make them pay for it. Their goaltending hasn't been great. Uh, they're playing Uka Pekka or I believe it's Craig Anderson. Cause Eric Comrie is hurt. Winnable game in net and uh thirdly uh don't let tage thompson get going dude's on a heater if you can slow him down you can take that cog right out of the sabers wheels there and just keep it simple knock out their best player play smart defensively and beat the backup and third string goalies it seems pretty simple right like three keys to the game like our friends at locked on leafs like to do uh but you know what we are done talking about the game. We're going to recap it. Obviously, we're going to talk about how it went and what we learned. And obviously, we want to watch this team grow. 
But speaking of growth, it was stifled a lot last year, uh, last season. We are almost done talking about it. We do talk about it to the death. But um, a new book has come out about, uh, we'll get to it in a second, but a lot of it has a, like a strong indictment of Dominique Ducharme as a head coach. And that's all coming up in just one moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and even esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And we know you do because you're listening to us. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So you can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online is where the game starts. All right, Scott, a much loved, much respected figure in the history of the Montreal Canadiens has come out with a new book. Um, and it's got some strong words about the Dominique Ducharme era. And we had, um, I want to say it's how you drew on on Twitter that's been reading it and uh, providing excerpts and translations. And there's a lot of information there. So Scott, why don't you provide a little bit of context and then we'll, we'll kind of share our opinions here. I was actually looking for it. Uh, it looks like they deleted the thread on Twitter and I don't know if it's just cause it got too aggressive in the replies, which has Twitter being aggressive in replies. No, never. No. But some of the notes I had taken from it, one of the biggest things is cause there was a thread on Reddit that also looks like it's been uh, deleted as well was, when Claude Julian was fired, the players on the team all mostly expected that Luke Richardson was going to be named head coach in the stead of Claude Julian instead of Dominique Ducharme. And from there, things were not very good. A lot of what's being led to believe in this um, when Ducharme took over his interim and during that playoff run is that the teams were playing for Richardson and they were playing for Carey Price and for Shea Weber. This was not a Dominique Ducharme led run. He just happened to be the guy on the bench during all of this happening. And that this was the Habs just trying to will themselves into a last dance kind of situation. And I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me is that uh, it was from Pierre Gervais pointing out that players didn't find out they were scratched or whatever or didn't find out at all. Cedric Paquette, who is a longtime NHL veteran, and we can say, and we have said plenty about his role on the Canadians last year, he didn't know he was going to be a healthy scratch in a game until he had gotten to the arena and got a text message from a friend who found out on Twitter that Paquette was going to be a scratch. He didn't know when he was going to the game. Cole Caulfield did not find out he was going to be a scratch until he got to the arena. Like last minute, it was changed that it was going to be a healthy scratch. Nothing seemed to click. And there seemed to be kind of a rot in the locker room with this happening. And having seen it in soccer a little bit with what happened with the Canadians and uh, Steven Girard over the last year and a half before he was fired mercifully, is when you lose and you lose badly and there's no direction, the guy at the helm seems willing to just let things be. A rot sets in, and that's when things get bad and things get ugly. And I think that's part of the reason. I know Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon said we're not firing Dominique Ducharme, 
But after seeing this and likely talking with the core players on the team and seeing now this behind the scenes look from Pierre Gervais, there's no doubt in my mind they had to fire him because it could have done irreparable damage to this team. Where would Cole Caulfield's confidence be if Dominique Ducharme continued to coach that team the second half of last year? Where would Nick Suzuki be? Where would this team be? How many veterans would have been like, I just, no, I don't want to play here. I won't, you know, how bad could this have gotten? And for a guy like Ken Hughes and Jeff Gordon to come in and having to write this ship, the damage Ducharme could have done is astronomical. If all of these things are true, the Canadians players today kind of came out and said, ah, we heard some things. There were no outright denials, but there were no confirmations, which is just the most hockey player way of doing things. But not outright denying it tells me that there is at least some truth to this. And I don't want to dump on Dominique Ducharme unjustly, but everything it get with hindsight and everything else, it doesn't look good. Like it really does not look like he was fit for this. He hasn't been able to find another job since either. And it's just like, it's not great. And apparently Nick Suzuki said today, or it was in the book. He can't wait to potentially play a team coached by Dominique Ducharme. And I don't know if that was a quote in the media or something like that, or that was from the book. Cause it was in passing while I was at work. It says a lot about everything going on here. And if, any of this is even mostly or partially true. Yikes. I get why he was still here, but just yikes all the way around on this, all the way around. So the name of the book is Pierre Gervais, Au Coeur du Vestiaire. Uh, It is out now. So for those of you who speak French, um, you can check it out. The, the, The thing about this is that I think obviously when you are behind the scenes, but not necessarily always around, like there is the vibe that you feel there's incidents that you witness. And like, I don't think that like Gervais is making things up, but it is definitely a lot from his perspective. And it's interesting because we're going to touch on this in our next segment. When we talk about uh, Kent Hughes uh, appearance on, on the, the raw knuckles podcast. I think that one of the things that is super clear is that the players are never going to turn around and like really outright go and, talk about this like they're not gonna badmouth the coach you know there's things where like they said that oh you know what that's Gervais perspective that might not necessarily be true but at the end of the day like we've had this conversation multiple times right like when we were talking last year about what's wrong we we're like the, the coach doesn't seem to have solutions right he doesn't seem to have had a handle on the locker room for everything that you could possibly think, you know, could have happened or did happen or didn't happen. Like, I think it's pretty clear when you look at how they behaved on the ice, he did not have a good handle on the locker room. And like, here's the thing. It's like, one, he is a younger coach, right? Like he is a lot earlier in his career. Um, Luke Richardson definitely seems to have had the respect of the players more. Uh, He seems to have been that kind of guy where people kind of expected it. Uh, and, and again, like we don't know exactly what happened. We just know that we were hearing it from the perspective of somebody who was there, but maybe might not necessarily have had the same relationship as the players did with the coach or whatever. But it was pretty clear that there was off, like it was off, like the vibes were off. And it's, it's really just that he didn't have a handle. And 
like this is the thing that kind of job is not for everybody a lot of people maybe they have the personality for it but they don't have the experience so they end up making mistakes that's one thing uh some people they just don't they, they don't have the mannerisms that's that like the talent that's there and sometimes people just like they're so lost and there's nobody to really like guide them and it's too early for them to be in that position like and and honestly like and it seems really weird because we're talking right now the canadians right now have a head coach with very little head coaching experience right sometimes you're put in that position you rise to the occasion and dominique ducharme really did not and it's not necessarily just about dumping on him but nobody could watch the Habs last year and say that that was not a team in extreme dysfunction. I don't care who you are, what you say, how many injuries they had, how many Shea Webers they were missing, how many Corey Perrys they were missing, how many Carey Prices were injured. That team was extremely dysfunctional in every sense of the word. Whether you look at the way that the goaltending uh, was going, whether you look at the way their injuries were managed, the way you look at their defense, their penalty kill, their power play, power play, power play, power play, you know, their top scorer not being able to score a goal or more than one goal. Any way you slice it, that was a team in extreme dysfunction. And, and dysfunction has many main characters, but whoever's in charge is usually the one that bears the most responsibility. And again, like Dominique Ducharme has a long road ahead of him. He hasn't been hired as a head coach for a reason yet. He, you know, it's hockey. There's always retreads. Every white guy in hockey gets a second chance, third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance, whatever. He's going to be fine. Here's the thing, though. Like, unless he learns from his previous coaching experience, like the next team is going to be a team of dysfunction. You need to have control of your locker room. You need to have the respect of your players. And you also need to have ideas. If something's not going well, you need to have ideas. I'm talking like this. Like, it's like, you know, I'm not a head coach. But I have been in situations in my life where you have to have control of the room. You have to have the respect of your players. And you have to have ideas. And if you don't, you're not going to last very long. You're not going to be successful at your job. Like, anybody who can read between the lines, like knows what I'm talking about here. Like if you've been in this position, especially when you're dealing with 30 odd people, you need to have control of the room. You need to have the respect of your players and you need to come up with ideas. Here's the thing. Coaches can be loved and be terrible coaches. Coaches can be hated and be good coaches. Like I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the bullying coach kind, but like it doesn't necessarily matter if everyone loves you as long as they respect you, listen to you and your ideas have merit. And that's something that I think like Dominique Ducharme at the point in time where he was the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, he lacked maybe five years from now, he's going to be head coaching another team and it's going to be brilliant and he's going to win a Stanley cup. But last year, like that's the thing. So like when people, you know, kind of look back on this year, like we keep talking about this and I know it's in the news right now because of Pierre Gervais book, but I think a good way to kind of Scott, I don't know if you have any parting thoughts, but a good way to kind of like turn it around is kind of like focus on what Kent Hughes said about this and other things in the rebuild. So, Scott, are you all done with the with the Dominique Ducharme portion of the episode? I, I was just going to say I'm glad you brought up that the Habs have a new head coach who had never coached above like peewee level and immediately turned this team around. Um, it goes a long way when you have respective players who you might not have the best ideas but you're damn sure they're going to try and do everything they can every shift for you. 
Uh, it is you need telling, to have though. good ideas, though. When you're when you're in the point where you're contending and you're playing against better teams, you need, you need ideas. <laughs> I mean, he'll get there. He's still a yeah. young head coach in terms of the league here. And I look at it this way is that it's very telling that in any openings or assistant openings or whatever, uh, Ducharme's name has not been mentioned once. Right. That's going to be interesting to see when he does land in a coaching position again, how it goes um, and how, how well that team does. But in the meantime, what we're focused on is how well this Montreal Canadiens team does. And we're going to, by popular demand, people wanted us to listen to the episode of Jeff Gordon on um, on on uh, the SICK podcast with Tony Marinero and Kent Hughes on the Raw Knuckles podcast with Chris Nyland. Uh, so we listened to both. And today we're going to focus on Kent Hughes. And then tomorrow after the Sabres post game, after the Sabres, you know, absolutely take it to the Montreal Canadiens because of what Scott and I said in our first segment. Uh, we're going to focus on the Jeff Jeff Gorton portion. So the Kent Hughes portion is coming up in just one moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Let me just tell you about Simply Safe. If you've ever thought about securing your home with home security and you've been putting it off, you're going to want to listen up right now because today, Locked On Canadians listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. This is the biggest offer of the year, and you really don't want to miss it. And this is why we love it. Like I'm the kind of person where I like to watch really scary things uh, and then turn off all the lights and try to go to bed, and then every single noise scares the living daylights out of me. So I need to know, you know, what's going on outside my house? Is there a secure system? Is there a real threat or not? And Simply Safe is smart enough to tell you when there's a real threat and when everything's fine and they have 24 7 monitoring honestly like if you want to feel secure simply safe is really the way to go and in an emergency the 24 7 professional monitoring agents use fast protect technology exclusively from simply safe to capture critical evidence and verify if the threat is real so you can get a priority police response So don't miss your chance right now to save big on the only security system that i recommend and get 50% 50% off on any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL today. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. There's no safe like Simply Safe. righty then, Scott, would you like to hear all of the wonderful, wonderful things that I learned from listening to Kent Hughes, guest on the Raw Knuckles podcast with Chris Nyland? Uh, yes. And as a caveat to this, it's not that I didn't prepare for the show. It's that I physically did not have the time to prepare for the show. And Laura's the best. Laura's the best. I I still don't know which way (laughs) we've been doing this podcast for three years and I don't know which way to point on camera still. So that's a good sign for everything. Laura's the best. If you say otherwise, I'm going to show up at your house with a crowbar and fight you. So Laura, Um, we can't threaten violence on this podcast. I'm going to just fix their car tires. I don't know what you're trying to, (laughs) you know, insinuate here, Laura. Like, anyways, I'm please tell me all the wonderful things are very smart and very, very good GM did. Because I know there was some good stuff about like Patrice Bergeron, the Canadians rebuild and other stuff. So I am very interested to see uh, also in the interest of everything else. It's very nice to see the Canadians front office just going on podcasts to like come talk. on ours. Yeah. I was <laughs> going to say, 
Jeff Gordon, I know you read my tweets. I know for a fact that you have read my tweets before. So <laughs> um, just just give us a call. I, I'm yes. sure the Canadians have us listed somewhere for some reason. Um, um, but Probably and, blocked. Um, <laughs> fair. Harsh but fair. Uh, all right. So I'm not obviously not going to rehash the entire podcast. It was really good. Like I know a lot of people love, uh, you know, the podcast because as a former player, he has a lot of really good connections. He has a lot of good stories from when he was a player. Uh, and, and, you know, as part of obviously the history of this team, it's a good podcast. It's, it's, it's great. But like, I think Kent Hughes is particularly good. Like he says himself, and he loves talking about hockey. Like multiple times, the episode is like an hour and like just under an hour and 40 minutes, something like that. I listened to the whole thing in one shot. I rewinded back a few times just to like listen to what Kent Hughes said again. Like it was really, really good. I loved it. And he said multiple times, you know, like you can keep me here talking hockey forever. That's all I love to do. I love like he's such a good hockey nerd. But one thing that I love is that very early on in the in the episode, he mentioned zone entries. So it was when he was talking about uh, how Vinny LeCavalier helped, kind of like they were talking about, I think uh, it was Slefkovsky versus Shane Wright and all the video work that that um, that um, uh, Vinny LeCavalier was doing. And he said something about like, you know, like there's so much technology now at your fingertips that like you can, you can count zone entries and stuff like that. You can like watch a player really closely, which I thought was really interesting. Um, it looks like they're doing a very holistic comprehensive look at players like what that's that's the thought that i got like i mean we, we we saw it when they released that 10 minute video about the behind the scenes of the draft but i thought like just hearing him talk about that that was really important he talked obviously about his background how he got into being an agent how he became vinnie le cavalier's agent like there's a lot of like really good uh insight and meat there you know like what how he talked to Vinny when Vinny was having a slump, you know, things about like Jeff Gordon trying to convince him to first, you know, uh, <laughs> come to the Rangers and then come to the Montreal Canadians. And, you know, the multiple times that the conversation happened, why his hesitation, you know, his relationship with the city and his relationship, this is his hometown. Uh, he talked a lot about actually like a significant amount about the French issue, um, which I thought was like, it was, it was interesting because he didn't poo poo it. He said that, you know, he's not a political person, which is, or he's not a very political person or too political. Um, but I thought it was like really interesting that he like, he talked about how he understands his place or this, the, the, the team's place in this province, because people talk about this all the time. And, and, and Nyland brought it up too. He's like, I would always say like, why would the Canadians handcuff themselves and knock at the best person because of language? All our commenters, our listeners talk about this a lot. There's always debate. There's always argument. Every time we bring this up, people get mad at us or people agree with us or people argue with us. Kent Hughes understands, right? Like you can't, it can't be perfect. Like it, but this team for better or for worse is in a province where the majority of people are French speaking. The majority of people actually French speaking only and this is the team's audience, like all us fans that are Anglophone or elsewhere, like the, the market for this team is a French speaking province an exclusively French speaking province. So I think people saying, you know, the language issue doesn't matter. Like it just, it, it, it was so refreshing to hear just like he understands, like it's not something that he like truly necessarily feels very strongly about, but he understands his role in it, which I thought was great. But I think the real meat that people want to hear about is um, there was there's a lot like there were so many things he mentioned like Kirby Doc and you know how we ended up on the line with Suzuki and Caulfield and 
uh, you know, uh, what the future is for him as a center. He talked about Rem Pitlick. The thing that was interesting about that portion, which I really want to bring up, is that before he put Rem Pitlick on waivers, he said that he talked to 30 to 31 GMs. He knew what their needs were. He knew what they wanted. So he felt pretty confident putting Rem Pitlick on waivers, knowing, using that insight, right? He's always thinking. He's always, like, he's so smart and calculating like he's he's doing his homework right and he was talking about like it's not about putting him down at the ahl so that i can get the veterans to play to trade them like i'm having conversations with these gms like that that was i think really interesting like he said that run pitlick was a good player and then he talked about um one thing that i didn't think they focused on enough was uh slavkovsky's ice time <laughs> that was something that i wanted i wanted I, I wanted an answer like why is he only playing nine minutes a game uh, but other than that, like there was, you know, the insight, obviously, like why they picked him over Shane Wright. Uh, he talked a lot about like the things that surprised him about being the jam of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, there is a really good Patrice Bergeron story that tells us a lot about Patrice Bergeron, Kent Hughes as an agent, the hockey market and what it's like to put together a winning team. So again, I don't want to like spoil all of this, but like people were ask asking us for our thoughts. And my thought is you should really listen to this episode. It's really good. Um, and one thing that I thought was really interesting, like he had some ideas about, you know, like the salary cap and like, and Nylon had some ideas too. Like, it's like, what if you have one player that like doesn't count against your cap, whatever it is, or like, what if you follow the NBA style or whatever? So there was like a little bit of discussion about that and tying into the Patrice Bergeron thing is that the plan Kent Hughes wants to build a team that is such a winner that people want to stay here. So they, maybe they'll take a little less so that you can all stay together and they won't have to have that problem that a lot of really good winning teams do is that they draft really high, they pay out these high contracts, they win a cup, and then they have to start selling so that they can continue to uh, staff their team. I, I look at that as the way that you describe that. And they're trying to follow the Tampa method that, yeah, you get some pieces via trade or in acquisitions, and then you build your depth through the draft, which they're trying to do with the Rocket now. There's a lot of prospects playing in the minor leagues here. And then you can supplement your complementary pieces with guys on entry-level deals or cheap one- to two-year deals because they're young guys who are breaking into that league here. And if you keep winning, we talked about this before, winning breeds success in the franchise and that people go, I want to be a part of this. Steven Stamkos could have gotten $11 million in open market and signed under value on that insane day years and years ago. Victor Hedman signed under. Mikhail Sergachev signed under. Uh, Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point. All these guys took cheaper deals than expected because they believed in that. And Kent Hughes is taking notes from the right people around the league here. He's a rookie GM. Rookie, I guess, whatever we want to call it at this point. He's still learning on the fly. But if he, or these are the notes that he's taking from teams around the league trying to avoid going into a Toronto situation where you're paying out too much on a few contracts and is looking to follow Tampa or even the Bruins model of things to win with a strong core that wants to stay here. You know what? It helps put me more at ease going forward in this rebuild. And I think that's really important. So yes, please go check it out. Raw Knuckles podcast with Chris Nyland. It's going to be well worth your listen. It's, on my uh, Thanksgiving commute for 90, uh, going down I-90 to go see my parents and Carly's family for Thanksgiving, I have it queued up to listen to myself so I can, you know, hear Kent Hughes talk and all that. Um, and we will have the uh, Jeff Gordon one uh, after 
the Habs-Sabres game on Tuesday night. Yes. Uh, there's only one more thing that I want to bring up about that Kent Hughes episode is that Chris Nyland asked about Mitchell Miller uh, and then said, you know, Kent Hughes, you inherited the Logan Mayu draft pick. Uh, and he wanted to speak to him a little bit about that. And I think what Kent Hughes said is key is that, you know, just because they signed him doesn't necessarily mean that he's ready to make the NHL. Like they wanted him around the team for a reason. Um, they also, both of them agreed, which I thought was, was key is that there's like, you can have a second chance if you earn it. And that's something that Scott and I have been saying on this podcast the whole time. Like, you have to earn it. Now, whether or not Logan Mayu has earned it is probably going to differ in my eyes and Scott's eyes and Kent Hughes' eyes and the fan base's eyes. Like, you can be on a lot of... But the thing about second chances, even if you make a mistake, even if it's just a mistake, which, again, like, there's lots of layers to this. Like, I don't think it's a mistake when it's a crime. Um, when you... If you want a second chance, you have to earn it. So clearly the Montreal Canadiens organization is mindful of this like and and so I thought that it was point because like it was, it's hard to ask him the question and 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 obviously Knuckles like was was acknowledging that like you can't really criticize another GM like when you're asking about the Mitchell Miller thing like you're asking him to kind of like out there like criticize another GM but he was careful to say that you know they brought it up and it was like all oh, the apology was on Snapchat and that's not okay and things like that so like there is there is the philosophy of earning that second chance in this organization. At least this is the way that I saw it from what Kent Hughes said. So just, you know, like it's not just about on the ice behavior, it's off the ice behavior. And then I think that it was key. Like they said that, you know, having, having Mayu here healing and like spending time with the team, like was instrumental for them, but that doesn't mean the work is done. It means it's ongoing. Nothing bad. <laughs> Nothing bad. Right. I, I was going to say, go listen to the episode, please. Yeah. It, it's, there's so many things in it. There's so many, there's so much meat in there. It's really good. It's again, like we've been talking about it for what, like 10 minutes now. Yeah. It's, it's an hour and 38, something like that minute podcast. Like definitely listen to it. So tomorrow we're going to have obviously the recap of the Sabres game. And we're going to do the Jeff Gordon on Tony Marinaro kind of roundup. And again, like we're not, giving you all of it we're just giving you our thoughts on it but you really need to listen to these episodes because they're so good if you haven't already some of you might have already but if you haven't they're so good like i got so much out of that episode like and like i said i listened to it like in one shot and kept rewinding back so tomorrow like i said uh we'll be i guess we'll drop like after midnight after the sabers game all that's coming up but in the meantime if you want to catch the next episode or any of our episodes, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. Uh, and don't forget, you can email us at any time at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. You can leave comments in the YouTube if you want us to answer your mailbag questions. Uh, and you can also tweet them to us as long as Twitter continues to exist, LO underscore Canadians. You can DM them on Twitter as well. You can find Scott on Twitter at Scott Matla. You can find me at The Active Stick. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.